you've probably heard of TikTok, the platform that is famous for keeping the vast majority of us sane throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. TikTok features short form videos of users singing, dancing, making art, filming day in the life videos, and doing various other things. With hundreds of millions of active users throughout the world, TikTok has an undeniable ability to reach people of various walks of life. This podcast features interviews with three TikTok users who are shifting the narrative of social media platforms like TikTok. Jeremy Silverman utilizes TikTok as an outlet for self-expression and creativity. Victoria Hammett leverages TikTok to spread pertinent information about politics. Christian Baucho makes music on TikTok. These are the stories of TikTok users who are expressing themselves, spreading information, and exercising passion in the unique times of the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, so I'm Jeremy Silverman. Jeremy, by short, that's my first name. I go by Jeremy. From New York City, go to school in Los Angeles, so I'm always like that big city kid. I will give anything a shot. That's like what you need to know about me. Tell me about your TikTok account. Like, what kind of stuff do you post? Um, How did you get into it? I started TikTok, or I had TikTok when I was Musical.ly, and I used it a little bit in 2016. Then kind of completely forgot about it. And then last summer, for context, Addison's first video went viral in last August, so August 2019. I re-downloaded it, re-kind of discovered TikTok September. So not quite, like I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I used it before everyone. But I was also on it when it was still embarrassing to be on it. It wasn't hype yet, you know? It was all these kind of just like smaller creators. I mean, there were huge creators, but like smaller, it was more like a community vibe. Oh, interesting. Okay. Would you say it was comparable to Vine? Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, TikTok is kind of like the new Vine. Yeah. I mean, it kind of was in the sense that just like, there were these people that you knew and that they were really funny and like the less context there was, the better. But there were also these same 12 people that kind of kept coming up. Okay. Gotcha. So then you started off using it September pre-pandemic and you weren't posting content. So then what made you decide to post content and when did you start posting it? I started, when I started posting content, I kind of was posting it as if it was still Musical.ly, as in I didn't really get what TikTok was in its new sort of era. And so I was like posting like those weird, like three times speed dancing videos. Renegade was like the first like real dance that I learned. And I remember sitting at study hall, like my friends were- Rip study hall. It was, it's now, I'll never forget it because now is a good time. All my friends were kind of just like talking about how sad it was that study hall was closing because it was the week before Thanksgiving break. And I was like, just renegating in the corner. No one knew what it was because it was kind of like before everyone was like, Jeremy, what are you doing? And so that was like the first time that like I kind of did what we now see as like modern TikTok. And then in the pandemic, that's when you started having a lot of people just become personalities. We had all the people from Vine who were then shifting over to TikTok because they were like, oh, I can have my career here again. And then you had Charlie and the Hype House and Addison and all these people. And then you had the celebrities that started coming on it, like Jason Derulo, you know, he, like all these like, big celebrities kind of bridging that gap. And then the Savage Dance was March. And that really took off and everyone and their mother was doing the savage dance. Everybody has TikTok. And the, the thing that's really funny to me is that at first, and totally correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was really stigmatized. People kind of made a joke out of it. It was like heckled in a way as a social media platform. And I don't know when the shift happened, but there was a point where it became less stigmatized and maybe it was the pandemic or maybe it was just like the sheer number of people that were on it. But it got to a point where now it's just like a normalized social media platform where people spend their time. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was for sure the pandemic. I think it would have gotten more popular anyway, 
but I think the pandemic really, really boosted it. It's really, it's like become such a phenomenon. So can you tell me, can you tell me a bit about the content that you post on TikTok? Because I mean, obviously you said you did dances, but is that kind of something that you continue to do or have you kind of started posting more stuff? You ask my brother, the kind of content I post is stupid. If you ask myself, it is revolutionary. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I think it's funny. I, I should have an elevator pitch of what I do um, on, the, on the TikTok. It's more whatever inspires me at the moment. I do whatever is trending because I am a follower, not a leader on TikTok. I love to kind of pretend that I am famous, you know, on TikTok. I'll be like, hey guys, how are you doing today? As if anyone cares. Um, I also like, not in like a comedian way, but like I do a lot of impressions. So I still do some of the dances. In quarantine, I spent a lot of time like in March and April learning like the most extravagant dances because I was like two hours of rehearsing for a dance, sweat out the toxins, it's good exercise. There you go. And it's fun. And now I love like the memes or I love like the sounds that are kind of the jokey sounds, you know, where it's like, there's one which is right now, it's like, well, how do you know? Like, well, how do you know? No, like, why are you saying this? How do you know? And like people put like really funny things and it's like when your math teacher says like, so, like the cosine of whatever is like X and you're kind of just like, well, how do you know? So what would you say with the content that you post on TikTok, whatever it may be, like impressions, dances, whatever, what would you say your objective is? I, for me, it's such an easy outlet, you know, like it gives me a re like, why else would I paint my face orange, green, and purple to sit in my room all day, you know, but like, I can do that and post it on TikTok. And it, it's for me, it's kind of just this reassurance to myself that I have a personality, you know, expression. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's huge for self-expression because some people, and God bless them, find their self-expression in posting a picture of their John and Vinny's on Instagram. But that's just not me. You know, like my self-expression is pulling my sweatpants up to my chest and like walking around like I'm 85. Like my self-expression is like putting clown makeup on and then staring like a psychopath at the camera for a trend. I mean, I think it's also much more expressive than Instagram because Instagram, it's, Instagram is all about fitting the mold. TikTok is all about taking the mold and throwing it out the window. A hundred percent. To me, TikTok is kind of an anomaly of a social media platform. You're not necessarily comparing yourself to other people and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but I just find it different than Instagram and Snapchat and like Facebook and all those social media platforms because it's not because of how good you look in a video. It's truly just about you kind of showing your personality. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking is that like, Instagram is all about being cool. And Instagram is all about showing off. But TikTok is so the opposite of where it's only show off if you're showing off how sad you are. No one wants to see anyone happy on TikTok. No one wants to see anyone skinny on TikTok. No one wants to see anyone successful on TikTok. Everyone wants like your tears stained cheeks. Everybody wants like that F that you got on a test. And they want you laughing about it too. They don't want you sad that your life sucks. They want you kind of being like, yeah, life sucks, but everyone's life sucks. So we're all having a good time. And I think that's really influenced. TikTok has really changed how I act on Instagram. Because before I had TikTok, I was really posting what everyone posts on Instagram. You know, like, look how many friends I have. Look where I got to dinner. Look at all this. But now that I started posting on TikTok, it's sort of just become, I'm going to do whatever I want. And if people don't care, 
I don't care, you know? Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that there's such a divide between the intention of Instagram versus the intention of TikTok? And I know that's like a huge question, but why do you think that is? Because I think TikTok is more creative than Instagram. And that's not to say Instagram's not creative and there aren't creatives on Instagram, but TikTok is more of a social media like YouTube and Vine, which in that you are creating content for viewers. You are being funny, you are performing. Whereas Instagram is the kind of social media where you are connecting with friends. It's more in the vein of Snapchat, you know? It's almost, you can be so authentic with strangers. I say if I were to ever perform or like in a stadium, I would have less stage fright performing in front of 50,000 strangers than I would in front of six members, like family members and or like a dozen friends, you know? And it's the same thing with Instagram. Like when I post on Instagram, because I know that I'm going to see those people in real life later and they'll, they will give me a look in real life being like, why did you post that? Whereas if someone on TikTok is like, that was weird, they'll scroll and I'll never see them again. People often talk about leaving Instagram feeling worse than when they actually entered the app. Do you feel like that translates to TikTok or is it the opposite? In my, it's fun. I've had these exact conversations in my experience. I leave TikTok like feeling so good because it's someone else who is saying their life sucks, you know? And that's, but that's just like the algorithm, that's the for you page that I get, you know? And that's not to say that my life sucks. I'm very grateful for everything. But it's this idea that, oh, I'm not the only one who's stressed out. I'm not the only one who is worried about final grades right now. I'm not the only one who is worried about graduating college, you know? Or I'm not the only one who doesn't know what they're doing or the only one who gets rejections from job applications all the time, you know? So, in my personal experience, I leave TikTok kind of feeling like, okay, yeah, everything sucks, but we're all in it together. That's fine. Like, life is good. We're all stressed out. Might as well laugh. Like the essence of community, kind of, correct? Everyone is now obsessed with the different For You pages that they're on or what kind of TikTok they've made it to. Is A lot of that's like with traumas. As I think a lot of people on TikTok, and I don't think it's unique to TikTok because I think it's a very Gen Z thing, a lot of people are like to trauma bond where we kind of become friends with people or seek out relationships of people who have similar traumatic experiences to us. And suffering seems so much less difficult when you're doing it with a group of people. And oftentimes too, I think we perceive our experiences to be extremely individualized and to feel like somebody else can relate to you in some way or another, specifically in regards to trauma, it can be kind of like a weight lifted off of your shoulders to feel a little bit less alone, especially in the era of the COVID-19 pandemic. Exactly. And so I think TikTok, and I think it's part of why TikTok took off in the pandemic, because when we were all sitting in our houses, seeing no one, we could also, me in New York City, could see someone hanging out in their basement in Iowa, and we were playing the same video games, you know? Or we're both talking about how we can't sleep at night because we keep thinking about how we just lost out on a semester of college. We're so ultra-connected but also while wow, we're so physically apart. But I think also that connection isn't necessarily a genuine connection of, oh, we have the same passions. It just, we're all stuck in the same shitty situation and we can bond about that. Sometimes you leave TikTok under the impression that you have so much in common with people, but not actually having anything in common with people. Going off of that and talking about like more of the deeper stuff and to kind of like rein in the conversation a little bit, what impact do you feel like TikTok has had on you? 
TikTok has made me so much more confident in myself. There's such a difference in the way that I kind of approach real life friendships now than a year ago before I really spent time on the app. And I don't know how much of that is the pandemic, but I think I've spent enough time during the pandemic on TikTok that it must be TikTok. That like when I meet people now, which is not often because of the said pandemic, but when I meet people now, I lead with my weirdness first. And I never used to do that. You know, you always meet someone new and you're kind of very normal until the third time you meet them and then you kind of come out of your shell. Now I come out guns blazing. I think TikTok has really shown me that there's no harm in just being yourself. After speaking with Jeremy, I reached out to Victoria Hammett, who discusses everything from the 2020 election to the pro-life versus pro-choice debate on her TikTok account. Currently, Victoria has over 500,000 followers on TikTok, and her content is extremely useful to Gen Zers who wish to get more involved in politics. In our interview, Victoria discusses her introduction to TikTok, her creative process, and the importance of political involvement among Generation Z. So me and my roommate Mariah uh, and our friend Madison originally created a TikTok on Mariah's account that kind of blew up and it was just for fun and I realized how fun the app could be so I was originally just making kind of like funny random videos on my TikTok um just you know for fun not planning to get anywhere with it and then um and, and then 2020 happened and I saw you know tons of TikTok creators speaking out about everything that was going on and I had a following of like 50,000 at the time and so I was like, okay, wow, like I, like I have this like little platform here. I can't just like continue posting silly nonsense, you know? And so that's what kind of inspired me to start posting political content. A lot of the stuff that you post is really informative. And I think it's so special now because in the times of like mass media and everything, it's really difficult to figure out who to believe, especially when you have all these media outlets that have the incentive of making money and like viewership essentially. So I think it's really special that you post content on your own volition. You know what I mean? Like you do that Thank because you. you genuinely want to do it. So I guess I'm just kind of curious too, how much work goes into posting a TikTok? The one that I'm thinking of right now is the one that you did on the intersection of religion and liberalism. The one that's like, if Jesus, if Jesus was alive, he would be a liberal. Can you tell me a little bit about like the creative process behind creating some of these TikToks? Well, you know, some TikToks on my page can be just kind of like memes. So some of my more meme TikToks might only take like five minutes to post. But when we're talking about like that video series I did about, you know, if Jesus was alive today, he would be a liberal or he would be a leftist. That series took so long because, you know, obviously it was a very controversial opinion. So when you have an opinion like that, you need to back it up with as much evidence as possible. 100%. So when... <clears throat> when I'm doing a video like that, where I needed to do research about current events and also biblical research as well, that a video, one, one minute video could take up to an hour or two hours to research and record. Not, not to talk about like the haters or anything, but do you, yeah. do you get a lot of hate on these videos that you post? Yes. And what is so frustrating, and I've spoken with, um, interestingly enough, I've spoken with conservative creators who agree that this definitely goes on. Um, as a woman, there's a lot of misogyny on TikTok, weirdly enough. So I can pull up in a video with, you know, so many sources, all listed behind me, credible sources, primary sources, and it doesn't matter. There will be tons of men in the comments that say like, shut up, sweetie, do a dance, or listen, honey, like you can just admit now that your account is satire. Like no one takes us seriously. So there are definitely, um, you know, a lot of haters like that. But interestingly enough, I've seen on TikTok too, 
a lot of people will comment, you know, hey, I'm a conservative, but this is like, you know, a well done video. I can respect this. Like I said, you know, I've always been involved in politics, but now that I'm involved in like political TikTok, um, I have to be informed on everything all the time. So I am constantly checking the news now. And what's been really cool for me is because I do have to worry about, you know, getting debunked or having people make rebuttal videos, I have to read the other side what the other side is saying because I need to understand their perspective in order to make a video to, to, you know, better inform everyone. So that's been really cool too. Interestingly enough, as much as social media can lock you into an echo chamber, TikTok has really encouraged me to get outside of mine. But yeah, but just overall, I think it's encouraged me and hopefully a lot of other people to stay a lot more informed. How often do you get debunked? Well, obviously, you know, each side has its opinions, you know, as, as to whether or not someone's actually getting debunked. But oh my gosh, I've, I've had almost every time I make a video, you know, a conservative is obviously going to disagree with me. And um, that, that's been an interesting format too. We're seeing kind of debates happen on TikTok, which I think is just beneficial to everyone involved too, because you're able to hear both sides, right? So like I have like, <laughs> I, there's this account called the Republican Hype House. I'm literally always on their ass because like, especially after the election, they were posting a lot of like election conspiracy theories. Um, and so, you know, I was on them like debunking theory after theory and so now they'll you know come after some of my videos too but i think it's just great for both sides to hear you know the other side exactly and you actually speaking of debates you kind of just had a debate that you went live on instagram with a guy and talked about pro-choice versus pro-life can you tell us a little bit about that it was crazy. So it was my first proper TikTok debate because as much as, you know, making videos back and forth are kind of a debate format, this was my first like real full-blown, just like a live discussion. There was no moderator. And so I guess like a short way to sum it up would be very similar to like the first presidential debate <laughs> where it was just, it was just me being like, yeah, it was literally just me trying to get a word in and him screaming. So unfortunately, I don't think anyone's minds were changed by that debate. You know, um, I exist in my echo chamber where people say that I won, but I'm sure that people on his side say that he won. Uh, yeah, it was pretty unfortunate. But luckily, I ended up doing another debate with a different pro-lifer. Her name's Bella. She was great. Absolutely lovely. We had more of just like a free-form discussion about the pro-life versus pro-choice perspective. And I think that we, you know, that was more beneficial for everyone. How much preparation goes into that? How much did you research? What did you look into prior to the debate, if at all? So I had a lot of um, seasoned debaters uh, on, or season, seasoned uh, TikTok debaters, I guess I should say, that really helped me out with my first debate, just giving me some sources that they like to use. And interestingly enough, I found that they were similar sources to what I had used when I was trying to decide if I was pro-life or pro-choice, right? Because I, you know, did my own research years ago and, and decided for myself that I was pro-choice. Um, and so, yeah, I, I collected those sources together. I don't know, it probably took me like an hour or two. It, it wasn't, I wasn't too worried. It was cool going back over some of that information that I hadn't looked at for a long time. I really respect how poised you are when it comes to talking about this stuff, because I think it's really easy to go the complete opposite way. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I can definitely get a bit petty and a bit sassy at times, but I mean, that's one thing that I found too. Unfortunately, as a woman on social media, I like literally can't afford to get overly emotional. You know, I can't afford to be aggressive because my credibility immediately goes out the window. So that's been something frustrating to see. Why political content specifically? I mean, obviously we know 2020 has been an absolute bitch of a year. So what, what made you choose to post political content of all the other stuff that you could have posted? 
I've always been politically active in my personal life, but when 2020 happened um, and there was so much going on, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, it just felt so wrong to post about anything frivolous and to post about anything that wasn't important because real people's lives were being so heavily impacted by politics. And that's one thing I want to emphasize too, is, is just, I, I always get comments that are like, you know, why do so many people care about politics? Like imagine making politics your personality. And it's just like, I don't think people understand that politics isn't just some fun subject. You know what I mean? It's not like some hobby. It's, it's real legislation that really impacts real people's lives. Yes, absolutely. And I think too, 2020 has also called attention to the fact that we're in an era where you can't just say, I don't want to get involved in politics. And I think that really speaks to what you were saying about how it affects us all. I mean, I see you post stuff about pro-choice versus pro-life um, and all kinds of stuff with real like logistical backing. And so I think it's really special that people are able to consume your content that has like an element of humor, but also has an element of information as well. I feel like that's kind yeah. of something that Gen Z needs because it's gotten to a point where consuming the news is honestly miserable at this point. So um, it's really cool that your account allows people to consume information in a fun way, in a short form way, um, with a lot of, you know, stuff that's like backing it up. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And, and I, I really appreciate that because I too can find the news so exhausting. So it, it's good to know that, you know, some people Absolutely. are able to digest it better with my content. No, yeah, your content does honestly make it a lot easier to digest. And it's interesting because TikTok was kind of associated with frivolity. Like there was definitely a stigma surrounding the app itself with the onset of the Black Lives Matter movement, with the pandemic and everything that's been happening throughout 2020. I've noticed that it's really become a powerful tool to spread information and discuss really important topics like politics, like what you do. So yeah, I think it's really awesome to watch this kind of unfold in real time with it kind of transitioning from an app that was so centered around, you know, dances and all that kind of stuff to now current day with it being a platform for people to discuss really important topics. Well, it's been interesting for me. I used to, you know, tease some of my friends who had TikToks um, because I thought it was the same thing. I thought it was all dancing videos and I thought it was all like teenagers. And now we're seeing, you know, um, there was the TikTok for Biden TikTok account that ended up partnering with the Biden campaign. And there was the John Ossoff campaign that has just launched their TikTok. And so now we're seeing how TikTok can be such a powerful tool in getting young people involved in politics. Overall, I've been so proud of Gen Z because even though I'm a part of it, I'm on the upper end, you know, I was born in 98. And I have like, we, we call them like TikTok mutuals, people who you follow who follow you back. Um, some of my mutuals are teenagers and they are doing so much, like more than I, ever could have done whenever I was their age. So I'm just really proud of how Gen Z has really utilized TikTok to make a difference. Lastly, I chatted with my neighbor, Christian Baucho, who exercises his passion for music through TikTok. Using guitars, keyboards, and even a recorder, Christian posts instrumental videos that TikTok users can duet or sing over. After an Australian singer named Ula duetted one of his songs, Christian and his team collaborated with Ula to produce Futon, which has over a million streams on Spotify. TikTok is a vehicle that has allowed Christian to exercise his passion for music, and in our interview, we discuss Christian's story and the virality of content on TikTok. For context, 
you live below me, we're neighbors, and I remember, like, one of the first things that we talked about, I think, was the fact that I could hear you playing music from your room while I was upstairs in my room, yeah. and I remember, I remember talking to you about it, and you were like, oh, yeah, like, I make you music on TikTok, and I was like, what is this guy talking about? Like, he makes music on TikTok, so can you, would you mind sharing a bit about, like, yeah, your sure. introduction I mean, to TikTok? It kind of started, because, like, one of my best friends from high school, who, like, I've been working, like, who I've worked with music since high school and like now is literally like my partner in all of this he's like always like wanted to do music like 100 percent. like he's just been like super passionate about it he goes to cornell and he took a semester doing like a syracuse program and he got an internship like at this like recording studio and they were starting it was like with this pop producer and they were starting this like independent label and they started this independent label and they needed they needed like interns for it and I was working there for like a, we I met like once in person and then like the pandemic happened but we did like a bunch of stuff over zoom as well I just saw what they were doing and I also like I would used TikTok before and that's also kind of why I got like I think that's why they kind of hired me is because I had this like one post that I made on TikTok before that like did well and yeah so we got I my my other friend and I who I brought on who's also a producer on the song we were interning there and that really just kind of like sucked me into like official like music industry, I guess. And I saw what was happening on TikTok. And this was also like when I got sent home back to New York, I was bored one day and I just like got this new like bass plugin. And I, first thing I made was like a cover of like American Boy, just like, why not? And I was like, what if I just like shoot a video with this and like upload it on TikTok and like ask people to do edit because I knew it was like a TikTok song that was popping off. So that was like the first video I uploaded and for whatever reason, like thousands of people do edit it. And then I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Let me make some more of these videos. And then, yeah, that's kind of how I got started on TikTok. So then just as far as timeline goes, was this in yeah. March when you started actually like posting stuff on TikTok as opposed to just perusing the content? I think it might've been, it was like I got home March and I think like the first video I might've uploaded was like April. That's crazy. Okay, so then once you uploaded in April, what did the progression look like? Like, did your did your post just start getting like instant hits, and then that's no, when you started it's crazy. More? Actually, I uploaded it, and then it it was like a slow burn for whatever reason. It was like it did a, it got like a few hundred views the first time, and I remember I was like, I'll be happy if like one person like duets this and sing it. I remember this one girl duetted it, and then for whatever reason, like two three weeks later that's when the video like really started to pick up and like then I was getting like hundreds I would wake up every day and there'd be like hundreds of videos and people were doing it and they were getting like millions of views there's this one chain where it was like people were singing like five different songs all on top of it and it was just like crazy and it was like half jokes half really cool singing and then that was kind of just like damn I gotta make more of these you know do you have any inspirations or anything? Any musical inspirations that you look yeah. up to? I mean, I mean, like the reason I really started like getting into recorded music was because like I was like obviously I played guitar, but like I knew of like Mac DeMarco and I read about how he kind of like how all the music was just him like in his bedroom with like he him playing every instrument like on the tape machine and all that and that really is just like it was mind blowing to me like it was just one guy making all this music that I really liked. I love the way it sounded and I knew he had like a $20 guitar and he was using like not not good gear a starter microphone 
and that was like really like damn like you don't need a studio it's just like this guy in his bedroom and that's where it was like I want to try and do this so yeah yeah and it's kind of comparable to it makes me think about Kevin Parker from Tame Impala and how he does all of this like crazy stuff and it's all on his own people often perceive music I think to be an accessibility thing too but Mac DeMarco's story and like your story too just kind of proved that it's more about the talent and what you have to put out there as opposed to the quality of the equipment that you have definitely and it's also just like the way technology I mean Mac DeMarco is like unique it's like because he used like a tape machine which is like doesn't really make sense but like it's also just like the wave as well as like you know you just need a laptop and like an interface and a microphone and you can make like really good music a hundred percent you recently released a song called futon and you and the artist connected via tiktok correct yes okay so did her name is ula and she saw one of your posts and sung on top of it right yeah so yeah and i always knew like that was something i always wanted to do like i always wanted to like work with an artist like be behind the scenes and like work with my friends and make like music and have someone else sing and have someone else be the artist and this like one girl do like i made this cover and i woke up one day and this one girl duetted it and she was like she was in the video was like popping off and i was like she had like an amazing voice like really cool style and just like aesthetic and everything and I was like, okay, it would be sick. And I was like, I saw she was in Australia. I was like, whatever, like, what, it would be sick if we could like try and make something. And like, I think we can. So I like reached out to her and yeah, that's kind of like what started it. Wow. Okay. And so can you tell me a bit about the process of creating Futon with that time zone difference, with the yeah. fact that you can't actually be together in person? Like you guys have never even met face to face. I know, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so it kind of, like, I think she duetted it, like, mid-May, and then, like, a week later, we had this, like, beat idea that was, like, developing, like, that my friend actually started, and then I kind of, like, took to, like, this, like, different space, and it was just, like, a beat, and I had expanded it out, and it was just, like, I knew, like, this, it was, like, okay, this girl would sound, like, sick on this, it's, like, totally her vibe, and that was, like, futon, and, um, yeah, so then we had my other friend, they did, like, my two friends, they did a session where they worked on like writing to it and they, they had this like one melody and then, but the, like the lyrics weren't really there yet and the other melodies weren't there yet. And then, yeah, so then we went to, I, we lived in LA over summer. We lived in like my fraternity. There was no one there because of COVID. So we all had like our own rooms with our own like monitors set up. And it was basically like during, the beat kind of started like in New York and then we refined it down, like made the song like very, refined the lyrics, refined the melodies, just like made it the best we could make it. And then we kind of like, we reached out to her again and we like kind of pitched it to her and she came on and then she totally like made it her own and like gave it a whole new life to it. And yeah, that's really like, it was just this entire summer. We made two songs actually, but Futon was the first one we did. And that was like the one that I, we were always kind of like hype on and the other one is like, is it like a nice song and like whatnot, but Bhutan was always the one we were like super hype on. And yeah, we just worked the entire summer. We would, we would make changes. She would, because of the time difference, we would have to like, we would have Zooms where we just talk about the song, whatever. And then because of the time difference, it was like our night was like her morning. So whenever, if we didn't get something like that night, she would have to, we'd have to wait a whole nother day for her to like re-record it and make sure it was right. And it was just a lot of like back and forth until we finally got the right takes and the song was like really coming together. 
So what was the timeline of creating Futon with Ula? I mean, it started in May, then it was like kind of got put on a shelf for a bit. It was like the instrument, the instrumental was start in May, like the beat was started in May, then it got put on a shelf. Then we went out to LA in like June. It might've been like beginning of July, end of June. And that's when we really just like, we're working every day, like making the song the best it could be. And then we like, once we had it in like a pretty good place, we connected with Ula and then she came on and like sang it. And then it was done. Like, I want to say like end of July, it was like done. Then August, beginning of August, we had it mixed and mastered. And then we sat on it for a bit, released the other one, just trying to get like the gears turning. And then, yeah, and then we made that TikTok. Okay, yeah, no, so I wanted to talk about the TikTok next. So after the entire thing was done, you showed me that TikTok of you just talking about the entire process, really captures the insanity of the entire process because honestly, it sounds so surreal that you were able to create a song with somebody that you had never met in person, Uh met via TikTok, and that all of it was done over Zoom. So then kind of going off of that, uh, oh, and and on top of that, Futon has over a million streams, which is insane to me. But anyways, how much of the recognition of the song do you attest to TikTok? I would say 100% of it from TikTok. Everything that has everything that has driven like streams to the song and driven people to the song has come from that one video. That is insane. Either from that video got like made enough noise that we were connected to like other people who like were help were able to help us drive the song or just directly from that video. Wow. And then have you posted other stuff on TikTok after you posted the one about, you know, the process of making We have, we we have an update coming on that we're working on, but like, other than that, we've been like, we haven't really posted anything else since the video, or I haven't posted anything else since the video. Ula's posted a few things with like the milestones and like other cool things we've gotten, like Spotify editorial and like featured on like Snapchat and like all this stuff. But from my account where I posted the main one, we haven't done, we haven't like kind of continued the story you know, like a part two. Looking at, looking at when you first joined TikTok versus where you're at now, do you think that your work on TikTok is kind of done? Like, do you feel like you kind of achieved what you wanted out of it? Or do you want to continue to do stuff on it? No, definitely. We're going to continue to do stuff. Like I'm, I I uploaded like a, like a new video the other day that was just kind of like fun. But I mean, like TikTok is really like where like everything is happening and like, we're obviously like working on new music now. And like TikTok is going to be a big part of like, getting that new music out there and just like, yeah. And telling our story and whatnot. So then when you downloaded TikTok, what was your, what was your goal? I mean, it was when I downloaded it, it was very much just like, okay, let me see what this is about. You know, there's like that classic line, like, like I, like I downloaded, I just started as a joke and now I'm addicted. You know, it's the same as everyone else. Like quarantine happened and I had nothing else to do. And that's when I really kind of like dug into it and was kind of like, okay, like, how does this like how does this app work like and this experience of this song going viral and the stuff that you post going viral do you think that that's unique to TikTok specifically or do you think that could have happened on any other app it's 100% unique to TikTok because the the like the biggest thing about TikTok is like you can post you can have no following whatsoever and if you post a video it could blow up and there's really no other platform where you could get that kind of you can have that kind of virality with ease, you know? Like, yes, you could upload a YouTube video and it could, like, if it's really good, like, it could go viral. But with TikTok, it's, like, the algorithm is, like, designed to, like, have stuff go viral. That video has literally opened up, like, so many opportunities for me. And, like, I'm not, like, I don't know if I would be making, even maybe making music without TikTok. Like, like, I'm a business major. Like, I wasn't even sure I was going to, like, 
go really go into music like now I'm 100% like committed to it and it's just like through that one video and just like the app in general like connecting me with people who literally live like on the opposite side of the world to make music with like it's opened up so many like doors it's crazy because it's honestly it's the epitome of technology and obviously technology is a double-edged sword the social mm -hmm. dilemma came out exposed a bunch of stuff a bunch of the downsides of technology are- I actually have not seen The Social Dilemma, but that's on my list of- Oh, really? Well, I mean, yeah. you don't even have to see The Social Dilemma to know that technology can be bad sometimes. Yeah. But I feel like your story yeah. and everything that happened kind of shines light on the very positive aspects of technology as yeah. it concerns like putting your name out there, doing what you love. I agree with you. And there was this one comment that someone made on like, I think it was on, I don't know if it was on TikTok or on Reddit, but it was like, Every time I think like social media is like killing our generation, I see something cool like this. What began as an app for lip syncing and dancing is morphing into a platform for creativity. Jeremy, Victoria, and Christian stories call attention to the power of TikTok as an outlet for self-expression, information, and passion. As I previously mentioned, technology is a double-edged sword and every social media outlet is arguably imperfect. However, perhaps these stories have the ability to inspire Gen Z to use technology for good. Before I end this podcast, I want to thank Jeremy, Victoria, and Christian for taking the time to chat with me. You're all doing really astounding things, and overall, I'm just really thankful to have met the three of you. Anyways, that's all for this episode of the Gen Z podcast. Until next time.